Rolling? Yeah, we're All rolling. Right. Right. Artists we know, this is Aiden. This is Kyle. We're here with... Neil. Thanks Hello. for coming on. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, it's uh, truly a delight to, <laughs> <laughs> to, oh, yeah. to be on the premises of the great campus of milwaukee <laughs> but there's other ones of course but, great you know, <laughs> one of the greats i guess so it's kind of, oh i was gonna say it's kind of funny we were doing something for the podcast that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah and we ran into you at digicopy yeah oh aiden, yeah printing zines yeah, yeah aiden knew you mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and i uh i have to say that that was uh one of those um it's one of those scenarios where they say oh you gotta you know know certain individuals in order to get involved in certain things this being one of those certain things getting involved with but um i had uh i was i was relating the incident to a friend recently and i said yeah i i knew aiden but my brain was sort of trying to register that (laughs) remembrance yeah. uh because i think i saw you at sally's yeah and yeah. um we have a mutual friend yep and uh shout out sally shout out to sally hello uh <laughs> and uh we um but it was uh and this um i have to say like this has happened it happened uh yesterday as well there was this fellow uh at um he he owns high dive i think mm. and he knew me and he said hey and i went through that sort of like i think it's the like the look on my face that's mm-hmm. the most dis- disalarming like cuz it's it's a sort of a but i was telling uh, actually i was telling someone about the event where i saw you mm-hmm. and Kyle yeah. and um i uh i said yeah, I must have had a weird look on my face because the way you responded was like, "Oh no, you're not Neil." <laughs> well, at first, yeah. So it was like, it was and, like, uh, I looked like you, and I said, "Like, hey, Neil, I think." And then you kind of like paused for a minute, and you looked, and I was like, "Oh, this is not Neil." And then because I, I recognize your glasses, we talked about how it's got the hook oh. on the ear a long time ago, and I was like, "Oh, this looks like Neil. He's got the glasses," and then. You started talking, and I was like, yes, it's for sure, Neil. And, I, like, it was just funny. Okay. You know, you trying to, like, rack your brain, you know. It was a sort of like I knew who you were, but I was trying to recall the incident, like. Where we met. Yeah. And I probably looked different at that time, too. I don't think my hair wasn't as long. I didn't have a mustache. Maybe oh. Maybe it was just, like, Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that something. would definitely um, – I, yeah, I guess uh, it, within the slew of faces that are in my mind, <laughs> you pulling were, it out of the trough. Right. You were like uh, uh, playing Guess Who in yeah, your brain, right. like, yeah, is yeah. it this person? Is it this person? Oh, shoot. It's got to be this one. <laughs> so, yeah. I, that uh, happens. I, I guess yeah, who. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, there was, I, I, I guess to, uh, and I should, I was going to look this up to verify it before. Because I knew I sort of had this idea we were gonna mention this like sort of like face recognition recognition uh, dilemma mm-hmm. that occurred. Um, there's and I don't want to say that this is a an absolute fact, but the fact has like I think come I know up what you're a few. Say. 
There's like a cert. Did I tell Dun- you Dunbar's number? Or it's like you can remember like 250. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, and I, I think that's such a. Is that the number like two? For humans, it's a higher, but higher than 250. No, I think it's like I think the number is like 150 to 250. Okay, that makes sense. Those are like such specific. Uh, I feel like that's like oddly. Uh, it is because how can you I, it, like? It's got to be a spectrum. There's no well, way that it's like exactly 250. And, and then... that's that's not specific <laughs> to like visualizing someone. That's I think that's like, I, Dunbar's number names specific to um, carrying. Carrying. Ah. Yeah, and it's like what do you uh, mean carrying? Carrying. Like you can only physically care about or like mentally care about so many people oh, if they're what? in your circle. Oh. Okay. So like. You know, like, let's say I know you and then you knew Neil Mm -hmm. and then Neil knew someone Mm -hmm. and something bad happened to that person. It would affect Neil different than it would affect you than to me. Like, I might hear it and say, oh, that's that's, you know, sad or whatever. But it's one degree closer to me. But like, you might be really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so it's like if you're in someone's Dunbar number, you're like, I think the idea is like that's like you're almost like that's your family unit almost. That's interesting. I, I think I, I could be very wrong, but <laughs> I kind of, uh, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no. I, I, um, I'd say, uh, that, yeah, it's to prioritize faces in that way. Um, I wonder how much control you can have over that. I mean, it's, you know, brain does things without, you know, being entirely conscious of what it's doing from yeah. time to time. Yeah, which, like, yeah, which raises so many questions. I feel like yeah. you're not you're not making your heart beat. You're not making your. Oh yeah, there you know. actually there was. Oh shoot! See now we're digressing. But uh, <laughs> wasn't was there someone who could like control their heartbeat through meditation or something? Uh, well, um, maybe oh. that person could exist. But uh, this this uh individual who um, he he uh, he wrote he I'm reading this book. It's by Tim Parks right now called Out of My Head, and it relates to, like, the question of, I guess, consciousness mm. and, like, his, in a sort of the contemporary sense of what it, whether it's, like, scientific or, like, in the sort of realms of various philosophies or, I guess, or theories mm-hmm. behind it. And um, I think the interesting thing he mentions and he's he continually reiterates the idea that he's just a fiction writer he's not like he's he's no no one who has like uh a sort of like novel or like skin like, in the game yeah, yeah he's just some guy relating what uh through various interviews with like people in science or psychology uh you know examining the brain um, it's strange. He, he acknowledged the fact that it's strange that we can like observe like the sort of like synapses or the chemical reactions in the brain, mm-hmm. but we can't really that, but is that like the same, like these things are going on. But then if you say, for example, like bite an apple, mm-hmm. you're not conscious of the brain the synapses and all the chemical reactions you're just conscious of the apple at the so there's so much like going on without 
acknowledging it. You yeah. Know? It's, it's a strange thing. Like, so with regards to like the heart just beating or naturally breathing or all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. One can only be aw- conscious to such a degree of everything. So, yeah, I had a similar conversation with my coworker Adam yesterday um, about like, I think we were talking about like souls and just how, oh. but like, yeah, he, he was Big saying topic. how you can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't like see it or measure it or anything. Mm. But then I also, I said, or my counter argument was like, you can't see a thought, but it's happening. And you can see the, like, you know, synapses in the brain or whatever the word is. You can see like the sparks and the connections oh. being made, but you can't, I could like see an image in my head. But you can't no one you can't cut my head open and see that image, but it's there. Yeah, the reaction is still happening. Right. But it's it's not a physical thing. Mm-hmm. So I think similarly, yeah, with like, you know, I don't want to go too deep into all this, but like, yeah, it's uh you know, consciousness and I think too, like people nowadays try to use science to explain everything, but I think some things just like are more on like a spiritual level that can't be fully explained or measured or mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't think everything can be explained necessarily. Yeah. And I, I think that we, I'm not a scientist or a philosopher, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, this is my uneducated opinion. No, no, it's good to, I mean, one would only hope that, uh, um, you know, our, our sort of, uh, relationship with like consciousness kind of weirdly makes us special. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think we secretly want that to re- retain its specialness. Like, okay. So we can't figure out where, like where consciousness in the brain is or how it happens. Mm-hmm. But if we did, you know, would, it's kind of like uh one time someone, asked me like okay so like what if they really figured out that there was like some kind of like deity mm-hmm. like would you really care yeah At, like once the the knowledge is disclosed mm-hmm. you know it just becomes the a thing in mm-hmm. itself existing and it's kind of like when you i don't know if you go to like some place that is you know you sort of like romanticize in your head you get there and you're like there's just a bunch of garbage everywhere right, or, yeah. or, i don't it's know it's like meeting your idol when like we think we talked about that yeah we did where it's yeah. like you know you have this image of this person and then you meet them and it's like a letdown god forbid but like it's a letdown and then it just ruins your whole yeah your you whole know perspective right? on that person and yeah it could be similar like finding out the truth about yeah. you know we're, <laughs> humans are like interesting because like you like we know but we don't know it's like we know, we're aware of it, but we don't know like how it started or where it comes from, mm-hmm. or even like our origins too. And yeah. another thing we were talking about was like you can piece together like let's say you had you like sewed fingers onto a hand and you connected all you took body parts from everywhere and you put it all together mm-hmm. and then you shocked it. Would it would it wake up and be alive with the human? I mean that's like Frankenstein hmm. kind of like would. There's like there's something there's like a special essence. You're, you're talking about that, the soul, itself. right? Right. It's yeah. like a special essence ah. that like everyone has mm-hmm. somewhere. I don't know if it's like inside or outside. Like, yeah. Are you in your soul or is your soul in you? Ah, well, 
shoot. See, uh, um, I, I, I think this is rhetorical. <laughs> I'm not obviously not asking for you know. Who knows? Uh, I um, <laughs> I think you were saying earlier. It's uh, before we started recording. Uh, you know, it's better to entertain an idea versus mm-hmm. like have firm conviction yeah. in it. And I would say that that question of the soul is something which I'd like to entertain, but I I could it I'm. I myself don't feel um, confident enough. In I mean, can any, is any anyone confident yeah. enough? No, it's yeah, like nobody know. knows for sure, you know, but it's just fun. It's like a. I feel like the people who are confident about it just like to try and force their idea of it on yeah, other and that's people. a problem. Yeah, and it's just like mm-hmm. everyone's going to view it differently. So. Right. But I, think, but I think that's good, you know, this is uh, uncertainty. I think that's a certain. I'm if I can be certain of one thing, it's like I'm pretty uncertain. Socrates, <laughs> yeah. What do you say? True knowledge exists in knowing that you know nothing. Yeah, yeah. Or something so, along the lines of that. Oh gosh. Which makes I, sense. <laughs> it's like how can you be sure of anything? You know, and that's like a big yeah question. But it's like can like can you? I suppose. Um. Oh shoot! See, I. Yeah, it's it's like uh, and it's a debate with regards to like knowing all things. I I like to. I was recently um, doing this. I like to do little surveys when I go to um, like cafes or what. I, I'll talk mm. to the, the a certain individual like who I don't really know. I just want to get their opinion on a thing without any sort of, uh, you know saying they're, they wouldn't be right or wrong by answering this question. And it's, I would say like, do you think there are, and it, maybe it sounds funny, but it's, do you think there is a limited or an unlimited amount of facts in like the world? And usually people say, Oh, unlimited. Cause facts are always, yeah, there's always something new. There's always something new, but I suppose th- then I like to, then I was asking, okay, do you think there's like limits to language or like, are there are no limits to language? And, and sometimes it like varies. Like they say, Oh, I I guess like language does have its limits. And I suppose you could argue that's why some people choose like a visual medium versus like words. Cause yeah, there are certain things that can be expressed in different mediums that say like, something in fiction couldn't necessarily express. And I think that suspicion is pretty prevalent in like a lot of writers Mm -hmm. is what my guess is, (laughs) but (laughs) I don't know all of them, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I don't know everything. I don't know all the writers, but I can say what all their opinions are. But anyway, um, but yeah, if there is like a limit to language, then there's a limit to facts, right? I mean, because you can only... Right? Is is there though, or is it just uh, one section of the facts that has a limit? Uh, what do you mean, like uh, like a certain? Because because more facts exist outside of language, right? Well, that's or you have to use language to explain a fact. Is that what you're saying? Or yeah, or language as a whole is part of all of the facts, and if there's a limit to that, then there's a limit to all facts. But does la- is language itself a fact? Well. I think that facts come from language because it's like facts expressed through language. They come from language. 
Well, say, for example, like, you know, if we say what is a fact, I think it's it. This is something that we it's proven like a un- universal true knowledge. Or, yeah, yeah, it's like uh, it's something that can be proven like true or false, you know, it, it, in the, the most rudimentary way. Um, and so if <laughs> if if uh, like a fact, like a thing can exist in itself, but to make it a fact i think you need language to 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 make it a fact right it to it, express it to convey it or to communicate it with someone else yeah like because if you're not well yeah i suppose <laughs> even if you're thinking of it in your own head you need words to say it to yourself right but if you're telling someone else but could you just show someone you could but without you words wouldn't, um i think by referring to it as a like it can oh, shoot um uh it's like there's a there's a chair sitting over there that's a fact you know but is it though or it, is it just to you i oh geez in your well, own perception this, um i suppose yeah my, I, some could argue yeah that's well and then you then what's the definition of a chair see that's where it gets tricky because like what just something you sit on could this table be a chair too it, sure yeah i mean oh god tree stump a tree stump could be a chair the grass the grass could well or is that the ground if you're sitting on it do you consider that a chair yes then yeah the right so what are the parameters of chair <laughs> right so like that's why it's like you say there's a chair over there i say that's a stool Oh shoot! Now is that splitting hairs? I, I, is I that like are those big that chair. that chair? Oh, that chair. Okay. Which oh shoot. That is a chair. We're See? all in agreement that there's a chair right there. <laughs> yes. Okay. So all right. Um. So I, must be fact. Well, what were you gonna say? <laughs> oh, um. There's an interesting sort of uh, group in, and I, I I recently found this out. It's not like something I, I didn't know about it until like maybe three weeks ago or so. It was like this group of individuals it in the school of uh they're they're called not nominal is and they don't believe in universals like for example a perfect circle when we say like there's a circle um that in it in a sense is something that's like an abstract object so we have like a perfect circle circle in our mind or like word the word represents a perfect circle but that the word circle, circle or the word perfect circle uh or just circle i suppose like if you say like a square or a chair um your you brain know, automatically sort of, goes to a perfect circle or a perfect square yeah the word sort of connotes like this is it's a chair it's like the whole you know object in itself but the I guess like these nominalists believe that that doesn't exist. Like there's no, there's no abstract objects in their mind. Um, or if we use certain universals, like everyone loves to sit down, you know, uh, that everyone that, you know, sort of universal subject doesn't exist, but, um, <laughs> well, so if I, I say, suppose, if I um, say, if I say, think of a chair, <laughs> What does it look like in your head? Oh, shoot. Just think of a chair. Uh, What's it look like? Don't think. Just say it. <laughs> well, uh, it looks like 
Uh, Does it have four, arms? No, it's Is like it wooden? It has four legs. It's wooden. There's no arms. There's like a backing to it. There's What's the backing look like? Uh, it's wood. Um, almost looks like... Uh, vertical wood or yeah, horizontal vertical. wood? Um, Are there knobs at the top? <laughs> yeah. No. No, 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 no. There's no knobs. But okay. there is a top piece. Okay. It's kind of ornate. Is it rocking or is it just a regular no, chair? No, it's regular. Okay, so then, Neil, when I say chair, what do you think of? I think of... Without considering Kyle. Sure, sure. Uh, the insta- I instantly thought of a four... It has four legs... Uh, a, a vertical backside, uh, a horizontal, you know, seat, um, connect, and these two connected by two bars in the Is back. It made of wood. I thought it was, I, I think thought of it as like a white chair. A white chair, not wood. Okay. Mm. And or, I would think of like a leather chair, like oh. a like a lazy boy chair, or, or just like a leather chair with like the buttons in the back. So then I, I guess like that, based off what we just said, when you, there is no universal. It makes sense to what think if, there's no universal of like everyone thinks this certain way, but mm-hmm. it, you know we all thought of chairs, but not the same. What about chair? the term square though? Because you said square as well, and doesn't square mean that each there's four sided, each side is equal? Mm-hmm. So ideally, how, like <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, like a perfect <laughs> rectangle. Well, a square I, has to be perfect. A square I'm, has to be perfect. Yeah. So what is uh, that's what I'm saying? Oh. Because um, if any side is different, then it's a rectangle. Yeah. Or, or another, you know, there's a various four-sided shapes. But in, I think, um, yeah, with regards to like shapes, uh, ideally they do have this. What is like a perceived like symmetry? Symmetry, you know, uh, ninety-degree angles. Uh, but the issue is that when we refer to like something oh that looks like that it's a square table well sometimes it's like slightly rectangular so it's just there's really like colloquial ways of speaking yeah like you could colloquialisms are are weirdly like um you know if you take things too literally you wouldn't understand them Mm -hmm. you know so uh, <laughs> That's interesting too. So, That's another rabbit hole. I, I oh like. gosh, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, also, no, this is great. I relate, I, or I mentioned this school of thought only because um, it vaguely came up in my mind. But I'm, I'm in no way like willing to defend <laughs> the the what their principles are. But in a weird way, like sort of pertains to like. Uh, what we were talking about before, which unfortunately I'm <laughs> entirely we're talking that about train of the... thought has become just a, you know, a cul-de-sac of <laughs> no, no, no return. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so, yep. It's, it's a, but it's a, it's pretty, I think, yeah. To entertain the thought is, Oh, we're you talking know. about souls and stuff. Yeah. And like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so and, you, and soul... you would ask people at coffee shops, is there a limit to facts, limit to language? Yeah. That's, that's how it started. As right? a joke. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that's like a fundamental question, but it's, it's what's sort your, of like. What's uh, your take on it? My take? Oh, gosh. Well, I used to think that well, I there was this guy. The reason why I brought it up was because there was this one fellow, uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein, who uh, was he, I guess he's considered to be like the last 
philosopher of the 20th century, which I don't know how you could determine that, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's 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 like the last proper, you know, everyone else is an essayist, I guess. Okay. But interesting. I suppose I don't know how one I don't know where that it, it's it was probably on the back of a like a jacket uh, or uh, the back of on the back side of one of his books and mm. someone used it in like the Goodreads biography of Ludwig Wittgenstein. Um, and uh, yeah, so he had this book, which he thought like solved all philosophical problems um, called it's a mouthful. It's uh, <laughs> I've had to practice saying it. It's the Tractatus logical philosophicus. And <laughs> does that translate into something? Yeah, it translates as, um, I think discussions on philosophical language mm. or uh, I think if I can remember what Tractatus stands for, but I think it's sort of like analyzing or discussions on the subject of logical language or philosophical logical language. Um, and uh, he, he presents like, he basically argues in the book that if philosophy is comprised of like facts or language is just a series of facts and they're either true or false, you can simplify logic into, um, into a simple formula that in the end renders saying anything philosophical as senseless. Or it's just there's no hmm. sense in well, having. But isn't, isn't philosophy so, like just entertaining thoughts, or is it is it communicating facts? I feel like I always thought philosophy was more just like enter, like thinking about new ideas. Maybe I'm coming from an uneducated point of view oh. on philosophy, but I always thought it was just like you know um, ideas to ponder. Maybe. Yeah, I, which it should be. I mean, I don't think. Um, I I know in like if you do take like if you go down the if you major in philosophy you have to take like a logic class and that's like the foundation of argument in the totally western way of thinking you know uh and um so if but there are certain and I think like it's obvious in like the postmodern era where you know philosophy becomes more of like entertaining ideas versus like being very strict and rigid and you know uh comprised of like writing proofs and like you know it, it's it's all founded in you could say like just like symbolism and mm -hmm. all that sort of thinking our sort of method of thinking and um I mean, I suppose, and the thing was, was that Wittgenstein, like, did, he, he, dis, he didn't disown, but he, uh, he, he considered that publication of, and it was his only publication in his life as wrong. Like he, th he felt like it was misunderstood as well as sort of, uh, he himself saw problems in the book and then so he uh he he spent the rest of his life uh sort of like examining 
other other forms of like language versus just exclusively logical language which is mm. and it, he came up with this concept of language games which is pretty i i have to say it's 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 a it's a pretty um interesting and i'd say like something which if i if i could say i agree with a a, a book on any sub like philosophical subject it would be this language game one which is basically you know the 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 simplest example i can think of is when you're a kid and you come up with a word for say for example a tree you call it like uh uh brown like large large stick or mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. and your parents know what you're talking about you're talking about a tree mm -hmm. and that's a form of a language game but language games can exist in like telling a riddle telling you know a joke singing a song um all these different um all these different uh uh sort of uh subsets of like or uh, different forms of 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 how we communicate are just like different types of language games would and, you explain it as uh, like having to go through <laughs> like a uh i don't want to say like a portal or a barrier oh but like no that's interesting like interesting. with a riddle or with like you know a large brown stick versus tree mm -hmm. in the communicating it, it it's not just you to me it's like you and then it has to be like trans not translated but no it, it has it, to like flip almost it to me and then i get it so it's like there's like a uh it's it's passing through something yeah if that makes sense no no that's that's a totally perfect way of look i mean well, I shouldn't say perfect, but it is, it is because he, I think Wittgenstein, I don't think he thought any way of explaining it was perfect. So mm -hmm. I can't say there's, but that is an excellent analogy, you know, thinking of it as a conveyance mm -hmm. or translation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, he had a big, he felt he had a big uh, issue or not, maybe not issue, but like uh, sort of thoughts on like how translation works, not even just between like, uh, like English to say French or mm -hmm. whatever, or German to English, rather like just translations of like ideas within, yeah, English, to English yeah. And um, so sort of like uh, how would one uh, the um, the the issue of um, most philosophical problems in his mind was through poor translation and misuse yeah. so like if you had if you misunderstood a language game or you were trying to say interpret a game of chess without ever having played it you would you'd you'd misunderstand what was going on but that in its in itself that misunderstanding is a form of like translating i was gonna say yeah it's like yeah. its own like <laughs> it's not Like, it's not, because it is wrong, I suppose, to a degree, but it's not wrong. It's just a wrong, like a, it's not being translated properly. Yeah. Like, and, and that in itself is, has meaning, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. to misunderstand something because could be part of, yeah. You're, you're misunderstanding it 
in that way for yeah, a reason, right? Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. something else with multiple other things in your life had to happen to lead up to you understanding it this way mm-hmm. versus how it's supposed to be understood. So yeah, I think there could be yeah different or multiple unique interpretations yeah, of the same thing. So that's really interesting. And I'd argue that with our perspective on a chair, mm-hmm. that's an example of a mistranslation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and but, but we do agree that there is a, a <laughs> universal idea of a chair is something you sit on. Yeah. I, I would say so, I, yes. Yes. We can all... <laughs> I think no, we I'd can all agree something. on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I... I and that's um, there's this funny story about Wittgenstein. I don't want to. Gosh, no, I, I've opened up this can of worms let's, on. Let's keep I, going. <laughs> yeah. But there was this. Uh, he had. He was um, uh, Bur- Burton and Roussel. I think I might be mispronouncing his name, but he was the chair at like Cambridge, who of the philosophy department, and uh, Wittgenstein was a student of his, and they would have these discussions on like knowing there was a certain odd, like Wittgenstein was convinced that like one couldn't really say uh, with regards to his, his issue on facts and in language and mistranslation, there was a scene where, you know, uh, the, the Roussel was saying like, okay, well there's an elephant in the room. You can't say that's wrong. Like that's not, he's like, no, you can't prove that. There's like, there was this <laughs> sort of, so the whole issue of like saying whether something is or is not based on fact, he, he could not come to agreement with. Um, and so our discussion of like saying what a chair is, you know. Wait, quick question. Okay, so, so what, if, what if I had like a small elephant figurine in my pocket? Could we still say there's an elephant in the room and that's a fact? Or is, and then even if you want to say there's a living elephant, what if I had a pic, like a video on my phone of an elephant that was alive walking think, around? Does that can you still argue there's an elephant in the room? I would say no. I think I think uh, when you say there's an elephant in the room, well. <laughs> also, I hate to say this, but I think it might have been actually a rhinoceros. You know, same thing, but (laughs) right Large animal. There was a large Large animal. Large gray. But, yeah. Uh, It's funny how that's kind of a... In it, to say, oh, there's an elephant in the room is oddly a language game. Because it's like, not a metaphor. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's something... It's an idiom, you know. Yeah, Yeah, idiom, of course. I should have known. No, no, no. The other day, I recently figured out because thanks to the the dictionary uh the difference between like metaphor and analogy Mm because in my mind they were pretty synonymous but i guess like an analogy is when you make a comparison whereas like metaphor is like the non-literal expression of what you're like when you say uh like oh i'm uh would be an example uh, he attacked my argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not actually right. attacking yeah. like physically, yeah. but it's a, it, it's a metaphor for, you know, they deconstructed or like, you know, presented a, um, and an, the, the anti argument. Right. Anti- Could that also be an idiom? Or, isn't that also an uh, it's an idiom too, isn't it? What? 
to uh, say that he you, got your argument, you got your argument attacked. Yeah, I guess, you know, yeah. I think, I don't know where idiom lies in this, like, between metaphor and analogy. I think both are a form, like, there's, like, idio, or idioms, which, um, idio, idiom, uh, <laughs> so many words. Uh, did, yeah, but both both are within. I think idioms exist in both those realms, or which is more or less just a, a type of, um, or even like puns. I guess there's there's so many expressions which um, I don't know lie between uh, those 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 two concepts. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of rambling here. Now how about a simile? I, a simile. Uh, well, that's like um, well, yeah. I suppose uh, it's more like a poetic device. Yeah. I think if you say, oh, here's you know, I was it was cold like. You know. Yeah, simile is when you say like, of a, right? Yeah, you have like, you have, uh, yeah, comparison using the term like or as, like, shall I compare thee to Summers? No. That's not. Never mind. It's it's a type of simile. Anyway, it's but yeah, it's could, an analogy of a sort. Or we could probably talk to like an eighth grader right now who would know exactly the difference because they're learning it right now. But like we're so far removed from yeah. school that it's like, you know, you're not gonna retain every single piece of information ever passed along or I know, knowledge. I'm, I know. I know. In school, <laughs> but like how how often is that applicable in your day to day? Is there a reason to hang on to? those or i mean th i think some brains maybe do hang on to like yeah, a lot of stuff but like i you know other things have come up in life where it's like this is more important I, right yeah yeah i mean maybe my dunbar number is lower <laughs> <laughs> i uh yeah the relevancy with like what you remember you know what you know and whether it's relevant or not that's definitely a uh the there's something significant there like knowing yeah it, it's it's kind of a common um uh so, sort of gripe about school you know saying like well, why did we learn this whereas right. you know could have learned something that was more pertinent to everyday life um so but i i, I would say like devil's advocate to that is like they're just um I'd say their your your brain is getting expanded. They're like, they're forcing you to push it outward and like think in new ways. And you know, even though you might not use calculus every day, it's like, you know, having to solve these problems is like, uh, like exercise for your. It's like working out for yeah. your brain and so you know even if it's not even if you're not going to use it you're learning how to do these mental exercises that might be applied later on mm -hmm. even if it has nothing to do with calculus you could you know your brain i think just developing your brain while it's still uh spongy you know and and putting stuff in it and training it while it can still be trained to be able to handle these types of things that may come up mm -hmm. and i you know there i even was guilty too of like being in algebra like i'm never going to use this i didn't vocalize it to the teacher but like mm -hmm. you I know did. it's like this is silly why <laughs> do i need to learn this but looking back it's like 
you know, um, I think it's there for a reason. I also think public school is like kind of outdated because it's like mm -hmm. all these rows all facing the front towards one person. And I think this like that, that, um, that setup or that way of, of organizing the classroom dates back to like teaching, uh, you know, um, making factory workers or getting them prepared to work in a factory. Ah, I see. So very so I, like like the systematic, right? Uh, utilitarian. Right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, I think it's, it's outdated. Maybe <laughs> that what school kind of is like meant to be, though. Don't you think? To hmm. create factory workers. I mean, I think. I think if we're you past look at that now. If you look at education up, no, not to create factory workers, but it's like a factory to pump out. That's not how it should be, though. It, it I, be I'm organic, not disagreeing with you, but I think that if you look at schools as a whole, they're not in today's world. They're not looking at the student. They're looking at numbers and the whole. They're not looking at as the student. They're not looking at the student as an individual. So that's what I'm saying. It's ah. outdated. No, and I agree. But I'm oh. saying like your analogy of it to train factory workers is equal to what it is in the sense that it is a factory for people in society essentially well but i mean the bell ringing is like the same way a bell would ring in a factory mm -hmm. sweat you know everyone all facing it's just like if someone in, like telling everybody what to do right you know, exactly you, there's a um what they call it uh, the starts with a p principle well the <laughs> principle but that they're the um, pedag pedagogy you know the, the sort of pedal oh, pedagogy oh. Pedagogy or something? Yeah. Pedagogy. Yeah, it's, I know, it's a I know form you, yeah. of, uh, th I th there's a book uh, I read once which sort of discussed this issue of like the pedagogy of the oppressed is what I think it's called. And it's it's a pretty, it, it, it yeah, it kind of discusses that same sort of like question of like, well, you know, if you have someone like telling the other person what to do, there's really no reciprocation between what one knows in in comparison mm -hmm. to the other like and that kind of makes what's being taught irrelevant um you know it's it's something you know the <laughs> the whatever is the author uh whatever form of official or authorized notion of like this is what's important to know and demonstrate in your skill sets mm -hmm. um yeah, it's it is a it's it's an un it's, yeah it's it's just uh it, it is unfair. However, um I don't I don't know if um I don't know if it'd be the the best trade off entirely. I haven't thought about like what like how to reorganize schooling. Yeah, and th there are people who spend their whole lives in that mm -hmm. sort of and and I and I trust that they. <laughs> <laughs> I trust that they know what they're doing, yeah. you know, which, uh, so it's the same way I trust, like, uh, you know, I know we're all like, you know, when I put, put my garbage out onto the road, you know, I'm like, I, I just trust that they, someone's going to come pick doing. it up. Gonna, someone's going to yeah. take it and they're going to take it away and, yeah. or, uh, I give my car to my mechanic. I'm like, I know what you, you, gotta you just know, trust them. just got to yeah. trust it's like them. A leap, not a leap of faith necessarily, but. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's like you just there's certain things you have to just like let other people handle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so many like 
I guess uh, I'm like skimming skimming so many surfaces on which like everyday life is just it's like an automation almost yeah like put so much trust in like say like the grocery store like i you know i i mean maybe it's really silly to think these this thing these sort of things but yeah you just kind of put blind faith into like a grocery store into a 100 percent. i mean you you (laughs) you putting blind faith into the architect and the workers who made this building that it's not going to that we're in right now that it's not going to collapse and that we're not going to fall through the floor you every day everything you do you're always putting blind faith into stuff like that i mean like i feel like everywhere you go like that the person driving Mm -hmm. was responsible enough to get a license they're not drunk they're not going to you know drive on the sidewalk and hit you it's like all the time everywhere you go you buy food you're putting faith in the person who made the food was responsible and wore gloves didn't sneeze on it. You know what I mean? It's like everywhere you go, it's constantly. They didn't have coronavirus. Right. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> oh, um, golly. Yeah. <laughs> that it's just always. Uh, yeah, that you're just. It's always you know, assumed yeah, right. that, uh, you know, the. You, yeah, you give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, like, with regards to these, like, you know, the, 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 the sort of. Um, just the mundane mm-hmm. thing, yeah. what you would regard as mon- like a thing being mundane, you know, if you look at it or if you think about it enough, it's like, oh, huh. Like, I I suppose, like, I just take it for granted, mm-hmm. you know, so many things. But what would you consider mundane or like, how would you define the mundane? Ah, uh, the mundane. Well, too boring to talk about. That's <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's that's my that's uh, <laughs> no no that's what they want me to think that it's you know I, that's a thing is mundane um I think uh, I hear I've is heard that, that, is that subjective is mundane subjective yeah like, I would say it's, so. yeah it's yeah like for example all our jobs are eventually at a certain point we think. It sort of we get disillusioned or sort of or maybe not I don't know I'm sure there's maybe there's some people who have a job and every day it's a new experience, mm-hmm. but on the whole, uh, most career choices, um, I think unless you're a very like creative and inspired and just someone who can like rethink what is regarded as the mundane. In, in sort of new new perspectives or new light um, almost on the daily uh, or maybe maybe that's a little extreme but yeah you know certain career choices what is at first perceived as like a new you know uh, or a novel or a sort of um, uh, what would like seem a new in, endeavor yeah like? like an endeavor and you say like oh like that would be so interesting um, like I, I, I make, you know, I work in like the dental technology field where I make crowns and initially I thought, wow, you know, like that seems so interesting and it, it is, but it, at a certain point you do weirdly get slightly used to it, no matter how odd of a career choice it sounds, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, like I, I remember from like 
first day thinking, you know, wow, like this is so, this is going to go in someone's mouth potentially for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But after X amount of mouths you're, ex- you're exposed to, mm-hmm. you start to, um, I wouldn't say disengage, but just you kind of see it as mm-hmm. just another thing, another um, uh, almost like an object in itself that you have to modify. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's how you describe it as like repeated exposure to something? Like, yeah, repeated like exposure. Once you hit a certain number of times, mm-hmm. then it's mundane. It, yeah, and and so, but maybe that's um, and I've heard that the an important thing about the mundane um, is that it's where you can kind of find totally inspiration yeah, yeah, or yeah. it's where you should find it. Yeah. Uh, and from like, for example, if you read like a, uh, uh, there's like a few authors I like who say, yeah, I'm inspired by the mundane, but the way they explain the mundane is so, um, seems so novel mm-hmm. <laughs> or just uh so um and you wonder how one could have this perspective uh or one could like look at uh, a certain thing in such a uh, uh uh in such a manner where you feel like oh you know it's merely an illusion that this would be perceived as mundane mm-hmm. like you could even say like opening a door like that's something you do on the regular and yet like you never the know analysis, it's going to be on the other side. Yeah. Like, and I guess if we return to that notion of like blind faith in a thing, um, you know, like turning the knob, uh, that's what one would sort of expect. Like the hand, like the, the, the functionality of the object will, you know, it will sort of get its meaning or it's sort of like, uh, or maybe not meaning. I don't know. Just it's one of those. Uh, if if you break if you break it down into various components and like you know the action of like turning the knob and looking at the knob and acknowledging it as a knob, it's like oh wait, this isn't that mundane at all. Yeah, but, it's like it's 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 letting <laughs> you enter a new realm almost. Like this is the this is the mechanism that allows me to enter into a new you know, mm-hmm. un, unknown realm opening a door. I mean, like you go to your room, you open the door to your room, you expect to see the same thing every time, but like maybe someday you open the door and there's a big spider on the wall, you know? And it's like, right, so yeah. it's like this, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but oh. um, the yeah, the, the mechanism, just things like that. Like, yeah, turning a doorknob seems mundane, but like if you break it down, it's actually like the mechanism to entering. Yeah, yeah, else. it has its. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I suppose to relate that back when we were talking about, you know, what's going on in the brain, and like your experience of, you know, turning a knob is not the. What's going on if you were to like, analyze the brain while you were performing that function you know like your experience of turning the knob like there's there, there's like a certain assumption in or sort of a a a, a like it, by regarding it as mundane 
it's sort of similar to how you don't feel all the stuff going on in your brain. Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't, (laughs) um, going through like emotion, uh, there's to re I guess like perceive it as mundane, which I think inevitably happens all the, I mean, it's just how you go about life. Yeah. I think there's an evolutionary aspect to it of like (laughs) it becoming automated Mm -hmm. so that you can use your brain power to focus on new things rather than to have to keep this thing in the forefront, opening a doorknob. I think you do it enough times Mm -hmm. and it, a part of your brain then like dedicates itself to even if it's, you know, a tiny piece dedicates itself to that thing. So when you do it, you don't have to think about it anymore. It just happens. Mm-hmm. And then you can use the, you know, rest of your brain, the, the part that really is like working. You can use that to, you know, explore new things. And I think that also like ties back into consciousness too of like, yeah, that's- you're conscious of these new things, but like you're kind of unconscious when you're doing the, the mundane, you mm-hmm. know, things like opening a door. It's like, you just do it. You don't stop mm-hmm. and think about it. But there, I think there, it would, it'd be a problem if you stopped and thought about it every time. It's like, you need to be devoting your brain power towards something like right. unexplored. Maybe. And that's where, I mean, heck if we want to tie that into like the whole issue of like the nominalist. It's like, okay, I'm not going to stop and think about what a square looks like every time. Yeah. <laughs> I, cause I'm, I'm just not like there's the, there, there's applications to everyday life, which, and then that also relates to, you know, what you learn in school, you know, this is like supposedly the thing that's pertinent to what one should learn in education. And yet there's this weird disconnect with the exteriors and like mm-hmm. the everyday. But so, that always changes too, though, right? Like what you're, what's normal or what's expected, like as time goes on, mm-hmm. keeps shifting. So you, it, it'd be tough to, I guess, keep up in school to, you know, keep to always be teaching you what's expected of you outside. Because if that's always changing, then school would need to be always changing too, which maybe is how it should be. Oh. Maybe school always should be evolving a and not just of, teaching the, you know. So. Yeah, like a state of flux in yeah. a sense. You yeah, know? I mean, that's uh, what life is, I guess. And like society and culture, mm-hmm. it's, it's never like, it's no stasis, you know, it's always evolving. Um, So, yeah, there's many many things uh <laughs> um and uh I, yeah i'd say oh shoot i wanted to say that the, there is a quote by Wittgenstein about the soul mm-hmm. which i think gets misused which is a very it's humorous to me because like people will use it as like inspirational quotes for i saw there was uh like on social on instagram uh, people will put quotes by like authors on their <laughs> Instagram and like with like the top, uh, like I looked up the tag of for like Wittgenstein and the first one was of like some like workout, like a person who worked like out and like, yeah, something. like a yeah. jock, you know, or like a, 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 a very athletic individual. And they were like doing some kind of, they were in the gym yeah. and had a certain pose of, you know, demonstrating their physique. And it said, I think the quote was, uh, (laughs) like the, the human, the human body is the greatest or the best representation of the soul. 
Hmm. Which that's from, and that's attributed to Wittgenstein. But he's saying that that's our misunderstanding of how we like, like for example, the chair. Mm -hmm. You think of a soul. The human figure is the best. Like if you, that's what you, like it's the best example one could presumably have. If you were to say like that's what the soul is, you mm -hmm. know, he, is he, the human itself. Yeah. Is the body or, itself. Or like is a, the, a resemblance or yeah. a symbol of like a figure. Yeah. It's like the, 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 um, which is why weirdly like, you know, the Frankenstein monster is, 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 is an odd, it's, it's an odd thing to think cause it has the semblance of what is human. And yet, it's not because mm -hmm. it doesn't have the mm -hmm. essence. The essence. Yeah. So, and Wittgenstein, I think, believes that there isn't essence. But I could be. I'm not a Wittgenstein mm. scholar, so I and I and also I think when quoting him uh, with regards to what I saw on Instagram, um, that's not like verbatim what he said. But the way the person interpreted it. Mm -hmm. Without, without any, re and I'm a, this is again, I'm assuming that this person didn't read Wittgenstein. There's like no context. Yeah, yeah, there's like without context to like it being in this, what is by and large like a suspicion of like how the human soul would be represented. This person just <laughs> quoted Wittgenstein yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and in a very, almost like Wittgenstein-esque uh, manner, like mistranslated, you know, or misunderstood yeah. mm -hmm. what was said. And I think, I don't know, it was like a demonstration of like what I think he saw issues with language. And it was just, so I, I, um, I don't want to use this as like, an example of the of the problems with language with this mere silly thing I saw on Instagram, but um, I don't know. It's, I wonder how often that happens with with even without regards to like um, like misused quotes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that was just an example I could think of uh, on the top of my head. But yeah, things out of context. It's kind of a strange thing. I think they do it in the news too. Oh. All the time, things yeah, out of context, for sure, and uh, <laughs> it's 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 a little, you know. Of course, like one can only get so much information out of an article because mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to know everything that went on. But right. is there a mistranslation there, like without the whole context I of think, the situation? Yeah, I think most I, articles like that I would read, you know. I'm I'm taking most of it with a grain of salt because there's probably like a ton of information that's not being given to me. They're just giving me a selective and it's a amount. bias. Exactly, they have an rhythm. agenda. They want they're pushing their own narrative that that they want you to consume. So I think, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> now you deal with a lot, or you deal with that a lot because everyone's yelling fake news, mm -hmm. no matter what anyone says. If it if it goes against what how they feel it should be mm. what do you mean i think that the the individual or the news? Uh, it could be anyone yeah. yeah it could be like 
if information is not how you want it in this day and age, you can just yell fake news <laughs> and then, yeah. And then it's like, because you don't agree with it or whatever. But I also think too, it's just like, a, uh, everyone should be skeptical about everything. Yeah. Mm. We live in a time now where like misinformation is running rampant. Uh, mm. you know, there's, probably like only a handful of like r- truly and even when i say truly i mean like mostly um trustworthy news sources you know oh. i mean where can you go to get unbiased news about what's happening in the world hmm. i have no idea right almost nowhere you know so that being said yeah it's like you have to be like <laughs> hyper aware and hyper you know skeptical mm-hmm. and hypercritical of like all the articles you're reading i you know, I get most of my current news from um, this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's got to be a heavy disclaimer. For right, yeah. Everything that was said yeah, here. Right, agreed. We and ourselves are, you know, aware of how this could not any of this is all like speculative, maybe. Right. Yeah. Like it's just think. a conversation. I mean, it's not like we're not we're not telling anybody like. This is this yeah, way. Nothing We're is just definitive. having a conversation, right? So. And uh, yeah, it, 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 um, so why you know <laughs> the the funny thing? <laughs> oh, um, I suppose like uh, if 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 uh, you know, unless unless uh, to say anything like with uh absolute conviction if it were to be silly you kind of like that notion like to say uh this you know uh demonstrating a fact with absolute like certainty if potentially you know there's room for you know wiggle room for like uncertainty Mm -hmm. in that and it gets only more difficult when it's greater concepts you know like i'm not talking about there's a chair in the room i mean like uh something more like uh you know there's a crisis in you know north korea or uh, something political uh it yeah there's like way more wiggle room for like interpretation and you can almost get to a point where you just feel like it's like why am i saying anything at all Mm -hmm. not that you should discourage i'm not discouraging the whole you know having people aware of various events you know i mean because th- th- uh maybe silence in itself would render the possibility of worser things happening mm-hmm. for a certain whether it's like you know political or uh just could relate to um everyday interactions um i don't know there's a reason it's weird that language yeah it exists I suppose, or like cool. having to say something, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the, it's almost like when you talk to yourself for long enough, you start to wonder, like, why am I saying anything at all? And yet I have to speak. Like, <laughs> why is it? It's so strange. Um, yeah, I think it's but, important to have <laughs> conviction, but also like, like we were saying earlier too, like. I don't know if anybody can be personally, I can't, I don't know how much I can be like a hundred percent certain mm-hmm. 
about anything, mm-hmm. but like I still have my convictions and what I believe to be, you know, true. Yeah. Um, so, but um, and I also well anyway. What? Um, no, no, no. no. I, with regards to the news, you know, the issues of you were saying like, uh, is there any news source that's mm. you know you can absolutely you know. Well, trust, but also like not have a slight suspicion. Um, like what you know, what isn't subjective news? I hear, I hear, I hear a, a common complaint, mostly from people of previous generations, that at one time news was objective. I think it was. I think so. Oh yeah, yeah? I think okay. so. Um, back in hmm. back in the seventies, I think I believe hmm. it was the seventies. I think it was like GE and two other big like corporations. It was like these three corporations uh, purchased like the big news networks. Mm -hmm. And then it's like it it became an agenda. Um, But it used to be just like they were just reporting the facts. Mm -hmm. And then um, corporations got involved. And then, you know, if the facts didn't line up with uh, the corporation's agenda, then they're going to give you like, um, what's the word? Um, they're going to dis, dis, uh, disown or dis, uh, uh they're, what they're going to give you what they want to give you. They're going to like pick and choose what you hear and what's being fed to you. I, okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think there was a time when, when the news was very trustworthy. Um, hmm. and I think I might be wrong to forgive me if I am, but like, I feel like, Vietnam, the Vietnam War also like uh, had a yeah. big role in it because people like that might have been one of the first instances where like Americans were being fed um, false or like not entirely true information because people, you know, there was a lot of turmoil in the United States at that time. And oh, yeah, um, with, like Watergate and right, right. And know, even just like the, surrounding the war, it was like you have all these people who are for it. All these people who are like, we have no reason to be in Vietnam, pull the troops out. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the news was not, I don't think the news was like reporting like fully accurate and transparent um, information. I think that maybe was like a, the beginning of it. I'm not entirely sure. But I think, yeah, to yeah, go back, I think I'd, there was a I'd time argue that around that time, that's when news did change. I think there was this, there was this concept called new journalism which like Hunter S. Thompson sort of embraced mm-hmm. were, and that's like, I think during the seventies, um, when, you know, or like gonzo journalism, you know, you report something high, heavily subject, a heavily subjective perspective on an actual event. Mm-hmm. And I think him, like this other guy, Tom Wolf, mm-hmm. uh, I can't think of, or Ken Kesey, uh, they all regarded, you know, relating the facts as something that needs to be subjective. And now we have so much subjective news, Yeah. <laughs> but we're longing for, uh, you know, the objective, you know, we want the facts, you know, see, but my, my, <laughs> facts. my rebuttal or my question maybe to that is like, even if you're being given the facts, like the objective facts by someone um, it's like something happens 
mm-hmm. and then it passes through a person to get to you. So there has to be some degree of of bias or of um, their you know their fingerprint is on it in one way or another, and I, that's what I feel like to get the true objective facts. It's like obviously you had to have been there, mm. but um, I think like the closest you can get to that is what we're talking about, like um, just yeah, giving the facts hmm. just from through like one person. You know, it's do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like yeah, I, yeah. I, I yes, it's it's um the does um real uh oof. Uh, um I do understand what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> And I also feel that uh, maybe the the the, the, poss- the possibilities for you know acknowledging that it's important that you know yeah this went through you know someone is relating this information they're not just a machine um, that you know presents uh, everything as entirely you know. Uh, like their opinion is external. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. any any sort of way of relating what occurred has, you know, the argument ha- has already been made, and I think justifiably um, made clear that yeah, n- nobody can really relate what they see as something external to themselves, but something that they have processed and, you know, represented. And the idea, I I think ideally, (laughs) ideally you would be able to just present something as it is. Um, But then I wonder, you know, if, you know, if, if we, if we say, if, if something is existent like the chair and we all come up with different ideas of what the chair is, then, you know, maybe language in itself is the the one at fault, not the person, but they're the ones using it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, right. no, you're good. Uh, <laughs> la- yeah, language is like only a symbol. You know, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can't you <laughs> you can't ever know how I like truly feel. Does that make sense? And like, oh, I can't know yeah. how how Kyle feels. Kyle can't know how you feel. It's just like we can only express the feeling through this symbol, which is language. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's it's maybe there's not a limit per se to language, but language is limiting in the fact that like you can only express so much through it before uh, okay. you know what I mean. Yeah, no, that's good way to put put it. No, no, uh, I'd say can't. Uh can't really say that there's any way in which um you know uh, uh, uh um i'm losing my train of thought no, 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 uh no. it's a, it's a big it's a big uh claim to make and uh um but i think uh one very well put what you know limited language is in self is in itself limiting the thing but maybe in language as it exists doesn't 
have limitations. Yeah. Because I also think, too, that, like, language is always evolving. You see new, I mean, even, like, slang and stuff is Mm -hmm. always popping Mm -hmm. up. And new slangs, like, being added to the dictionary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's it's constantly evolving and, and new words and new ways of expressing ideas through words, I guess if that makes sense, um, <laughs> are like always popping up. So I don't think there will ever hit, there will ever hit a point where no new words. Like we're done. That's ah. all of them. I think it's always going to be evolving and always going to be um, it's always going to be what, amalgamating new yeah, you know, the, the it'll, it'll it's like a snowball going downhill. Yeah, it, it sort of accumulates into its own um, more or less uh, perfect shape. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so, yeah, it's it's always, um, you know, it's always something that's being challenged, being you know, twisted. You know, mm-hmm. it's weird when like you know you have something like you want the facts and yet you're using a medium which in itself like is constantly being contorted you know mm-hmm. i mean uh even the way you think about like a certain there was this one concept i encountered at a time it was called like it was a book called the topological imagination which wow. is like, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and it was, uh, this, this guy argued that, you know, uh, I, uh, the, he, he wasn't like a math person, but he was into the subject of topology, which is when you distort an object, but don't entirely contort it to the point of which it doesn't retain its shape. So it has the integrity mm. of its mm. original shape. Like, uh, I think, um, in in some ways, a, like a donut is a is a topological object, but it's it's the it's a, a warped version of a of a of a sphere. Like a sphere is, like if you if you contort it just enough, it'll retain its, it, um, what it initially is. Like its essence. Yeah, it's a, like essential shape, but it will become uh, this. Uh, sort of it'll take on like alternate dimensions um there's this thing called a, a mobius strip mm. and mm-hmm. that's a topological object where like it has no inside and outside it's just like you can't mm-hmm. like infinite yeah, yeah it's an infinite object yeah. uh or it has an infinite surface and so this guy uh felt like um that sort of the way we approach language or like even authors have this way of like thinking in a topological manner, mm-hmm. which is where you distort your language, like puns, for example, or mm-hmm. like would fall into that category. Or, um, uh, heck, I think, uh, I think Alfred Hitchcock even said like puns were the highest form of literature. And mm. <laughs> so, and, or like, heck, even like Shakespeare, you know, he's just constantly warping, using new words, mm. you know, new, con- new, new ways of, of just like shaping. And you, people refer to it like language as shapes, like mm. the shape of language or, you know, the shape of, which is 
being molded into various forms. And so anyway, with regards to like how one would want to present a fact, uh, you know, it's this, it's through this conveyance that is language, which in itself goes through so many distortions. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny when we want like something as clear cut as the true facts, Mm -hmm. but we're using a vehicle that is, kind of faulty in itself right. exactly <laughs> exactly yeah so or maybe not faulty but is, is it has flaws is, it's has flawed. flaws yeah it's flawed yeah uh and uh so anyway um it's all very funny it is. <laughs> i think on that note of um writing and language and talking we should not should but we can Oh, transition uh, transition <laughs> but i think um this is going to be a two-part i oh. think we should do the second part oh with regards after. to yeah this so this this yeah. this one can focus on what we just talked about and part two we can focus on just your discipline oh okay um, yeah i'm sorry if i don't be sorry no, no, no. <laughs> this um, was too uh i mean it was organic you know it just okay. it just happened and i think it was uh that was a really fun conversation well, good. Um, I'm. Uh, I hope that. Um, I feel. You know. I, I will admit. Um, I maybe it fits. Fun. It kind of, it's funny. It kind of fits with our whole. You know, sort of like feeling of uncertainty It's like the long. I feel like every the longer I talk, the more like lightheaded. Yeah, mm. and so, in a way, allowing this n- organic process or natural uh, progression of subjects to occur. Um, <laughs> I've become more and more mentally distanced. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it, I'm, not to say that it, or intentionally or it's like, oh, I'm losing, in, you know, I wouldn't say interest, but you know how there's like the common, it, it's sort of like a, a cliche where like the brain is someone being disinterested in a com like, in, in a cartoon their mm-hmm. like brain starts to leave yeah you know because they're like i'm i'm not staying in this conversation yeah. but um uh i'd i'd argue that that's what happens for me <laughs> when i'm too interested in a yeah. conversation yeah. Like the, it starts it, brain's like no i don't want to be part of it <laughs> stop it <Yeah. laughs> and uh so but um it's it's a good good to get other perspectives on something which one can easily sort of fall into the whirlpool of thought yeah um with regards to these subjects because um i guess to well how much how much time do we have on this last we have are you do you have anything going on no no okay perfect all right yeah um all right part two part two coming wednesday this is part one Artists we know. This is Aiden, Kyle, and Neil. Uh, part two coming Wednesday. Stay tuned.